I've always been someone that has wanted to do what I've wanted to do. Like I don't play it safe. I'll change jobs. I, I was never staying in a job for a certain amount of time to look good on my resume. And I just reached that point of, I've tried all these things. I moved halfway around the world. Like I'm going all in on what I want. And at the time I looked at therapy, counseling, coaching, all these different solutions. And for me, what I loved about coaching was really that it was going to allow me to take people to that next level. Meet Vicky Louise. She's a certified life coach who specializes in anxiety and procrastination. Vicky's on a mission to teach others how to live their best lives by facing anxiety head on. Through her short weekly podcasts, listeners get actionable tools to gain control of their mind and to feel confident, calm, and in control. And although not all of her early podcasting strategies worked out as planned, her podcast today is one of the biggest ways she brings new coaching clients into her business. So today, Vicky will share how she went from finance to tech to coaching and what she loves about being a coach. From there, she'll share why she does all of her podcast episodes solo as opposed to with a guest. And she'll share where she finds her best topics for new episodes. This episode does contain a very small amount of explicit language, so if you have little ones, I recommend grabbing headphones. It's all coming up in today's episode of Wit and Wire. Welcome to Wit and Wire, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes with podcasters and industry experts to help you start and scale a binge-worthy podcast of your own. Here's your host, Melissa Guller. Hey everyone, I'm Melissa, and I can't wait for you to meet today's guest, Vicky Luis. Vicky graduated from the London School of Economics and worked for finance and tech companies across London and New York City before turning her personal development hobby into a successful career as an anxiety and procrastination coach. Her style of coaching is tough and successful. It's a no BS approach, and it's a blend of neuroscience, evolutionary biology, life coaching tools, and tough love. Vicky teaches people to understand their brain, to learn tools on how to rewire their thinking to get the results they want, and she empowers people to actually use the tools to get it done. Vicky is certified at the Life Coach School in the United States, and she's now the host of the podcast, Fuck Anxiety and Get Shit Done. Let's say hello. Vicky, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Me too. And before we, you know, dive into some advice, which we'll get to later on, I'd love to just start by learning a little bit more about you. So before you even started podcasting, how did you first get into coaching? Oh, such a good question. I guess I always really wanted to help people. And then I did what was expected of me instead of what I really wanted to do and studied economics, worked in finance, worked in tech for a bit. And I actually moved out to New York, worked in a super aggressive sales role that pushed because I kept wanting to work with people. And to me, I was like, oh, sales is people. (laughs) So I went all the way to like New York, super aggressive tech sales role (laughs) before I realized actually this isn't what I meant by working with people. 
and came back, went straight back into the safety net of finance. And within a few months, just decided this isn't what I wanted. Like I've always been someone that has wanted to do what I've wanted to do. Like I don't play it safe. I'll change jobs. I, I was never staying in a job for a certain amount of time to look good on my resume. And I just reached that point of, I've tried all these things. I moved halfway around the world. Like I'm going all in on what I want. And at the time I looked at therapy, counseling, coaching, all these different solutions. And for me, what I loved about coaching was really that it was going to allow me to take people to that next level. Like it's so basic and simple. And the tools that I use aren't complex. Really, I think in 20 years time, maybe even sooner, everyone's going to have a coach. So I loved how it was like growing at such a rate. Someone said to me once, don't work for a big company, work for a growing company. And I think that's how I've always seen the work that I want to do as well. Be part of the movement of moving something forward rather than jumping on what already is. Mm, That's great advice beyond podcasting, just in any work that you pursue, I think. And when you did start, as you said, it's a growing field. It's not maybe as rigid. So that means maybe there maybe there aren't as many answers or not as much guidance about what to do. So how did you end up finding some of your earliest coaching clients? So I went old school and I literally still encourage people to do this. And I just contacted people I knew and I coached my former roommate in New York's sister and my former secretary at work's three friends and and someone that I went to high school with and someone that one of my best friends went to university with. I really just like asked everyone. <laughs> and I think sometimes now we go too far the other way where I literally coached someone on this this week. And she's like, I'm just going to run Facebook ads and figure out if I have an audience relevant. And I was like, why not speak to people in that audience, you probably know 10 people. Hers was French entrepreneurs, women that had gone into entrepreneurship from burnout. I was like, you can probably find 10 women that have gone into entrepreneurship from burnout and see if they would invest in coaching without doing paid advertising. So I really recommend for anyone, and I'm sure we'll speak about this and a lot of what you do is also like, there's all the planning that we can do and then there's doing. Don't be afraid to do. Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that you mentioned, like, don't be afraid of doing, because I think there might be some fear in reaching out to people that you do know versus reaching out to strangers on the internet through ads. I think even for me, when I was in my earliest stages of online business, I was almost afraid to tell people what I was doing because I worried that they might think like, oh, who is she to do that? And I wonder if people might feel that way about starting their own business or podcast as well. I think people absolutely feel that way about starting their own business and podcast because they're projecting their fears onto other people. The reality is when you do it, people are going to be curious, interested. You will find some people that might think, well, you shouldn't be doing that, but they're probably people that aren't happy with what they're doing, right? Because typically you are going to find people that are intrigued by it and also want to support you. And once you get over your thoughts about your own limitations. Like the world is way friendlier and kinder to you than you are to yourself typically. Yeah. Well said. So you have your earliest coaching clients. How did your business then continue to evolve and grow? Yeah. Lots of blogging and uh, word of mouth and then just consistently going then onto a Facebook page and then b- building out an email list and then going into my Instagram and using my Instagram posts and my Instagram stories 
and being on other people's podcasts or blogging for other people, writing for Medium and Thrive and other major publications. Just really, I really went through everything and then obviously came across podcasting, which is as you, like, I'm sure you're going to ask me lots about this, but it was something that I'd thought about for some time. And I think it is something that people do think about for some time. I just love it as a way of communicating and getting through the message and messages with people. So yeah, it's been just over a year now since I launched the podcast. Which is amazing. I think hitting that year milestone is such an important moment and I'm excited to dive into what you've learned. But I'm curious, was there a moment where you finally decided I'm actually going to start this podcast? Like what did your business look look like at the time or was there a moment that you remember? So it's so interesting because I actually tried the cop out way and I had two (laughs) friends and I messaged one of them today saying, isn't it funny how we almost did this together? And I had two friends that were coaches and I said, let's all meet and let's do a podcast together. And it can Mm -hmm. be really chilled and informal. And anyway, we met and then nothing happened. And then then a month later, I tried to instigate us meeting again. And it just clearly wasn't working because I was the one that wanted to do the podcast and I was going to have to coach them (laughs) into doing the podcast. And it was that moment of realization of, okay, I either do this on my own if I really want to do this or I don't do it. And within that decision to getting my first episode done was like a few weeks. It was quite quick. I think that's a really important piece of advice because I think having a co-host and podcasting with others can be really wonderful. It's a great way to have something that you both really love and to bounce off of each other. But at the same time, if you're not all equally invested. And especially if you could already tell that right from the beginning, that was probably a good, maybe gut feeling to listen to that it's not going to get easier from there. So important, completely. And I actually have come across a few people in the podcasting world who later found themselves in a situation where that had been obvious and they'd kind of missed it and tried to pull the extra weight. And I think you're completely right. If you recognize that early on, there's nothing wrong with it. Just it doesn't even need to impact and it won't impact your relationship with them. But it just is you taking full responsibility for what you want to create in the world. Exactly. Now, something that I do love about your podcast that I think is actually fairly unique is that you're doing, I believe, all solo episodes, if not almost all solo episodes. And they're shorter, about 10 to 20 minutes. Is that about right? That's completely right. At the beginning, actually, I had an idea to bring on guests because a lot of what I do is want to destigmatize anxiety and procrastination and how our brain works. So the idea was to bring on guests, successful people to come and speak about their story. But what I found, and I think you'll find this interesting, is the number of listeners significantly dropped in those episodes. Hmm. So I think because normally my episodes were 10 minutes and each episode gives like a specific tool and actionable, something that you can apply, like an interesting something that that can move you forward that's the goal with every episode of mine it's like something you can apply and digest and move forward slightly and then with these stories I think it's just like two different audiences and I completely missed that at the beginning and then quickly realized actually people are coming listening to get tools not to hear the interview I think that's a really important distinction because interviews are a great format. And I'm hoping that people are enjoying our interview right now. But the purpose of this episode is much different than the podcast you're building where people, like you said, knew they could come, get something actionable, something that gave them just a little bit that they could move forward. And 
I'm sure that your audience just continues to fall in love with you the more and more they learn and feel like you're helping them. And so I feel like that makes perfect sense, but probably isn't something that you could have known before you tried. Totally. And that's something that I think is so important for everyone listening to realize, like get out there and try and the market will speak to you. It could have just as easily gone the other way where those episodes were listened to more. But again, part of my audience are people that procrastinate and don't have enough time. And so they love the 10, 12 minute episodes and the interviews in themselves were 20, 25 minutes. So even that is a different audience. Mm -hmm. That's great advice too, because a question that I get from students all the time is how long should my episode be? And I often tell them what they don't want to hear, which is that (laughs) it depends on your audience. And I encourage them to think about who is tuning in, who's your listener, what do they need from you? And in your case, like you said, you've got maybe procrastinators, or I'm sure a lot of us have audience members who have a lot going on. And I think a short podcast can be as powerful, if not more powerful than a very long episode. Right. I have um, a client, but when she came to me, she said, I used to listen to you driving to the supermarket. That was it. Like that was my 10 minutes because she had like kids and a job and a really busy life. And it was perfect for her that she could just listen to it in that 10 minutes. And then she listened to a different one on the way back. I love that. (laughs) And so you've got these shorter episodes. How do you come up with your topics for each new episode? Honestly, from coaching clients. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Listen, there's like some big themes that I coach on, you know, people pleasing, procrastination, fear of failure, perfectionism, indecision, and anxiety. And they all tie in together. But underneath that, there's the more subtle, hidden things that come up with my clients all the time. So even this week's podcast episode that I've just recorded for next week is called not good enough because with five clients last week, for one reason or another, they came thinking that they weren't good enough. I was like, I need to get an episode out on this because if these five people are thinking this, everyone is thinking this. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great point too, that a lot of people probably aren't saying what they need directly. So even hearing a couple of people bring up the same topic could be a good indicator that more people would want to hear about it. Definitely. And don't be afraid also to go into the details and the specifics, right? Like I have five episodes on decision-making and they're all covering different parts of decision-making. Like for example, why we backtrack on decisions, why we sit in indecision, why we love saying, I don't know. Do you see like breaking down all the different things of what it is? And then some people relate to all and some people really just relate to one. I think that's really helpful to hear that even one topic could perhaps have different approaches because I know that something... I often worried about as an early podcaster years ago was, what if I run out of topics? But to your point, I think it's less about the name of the topic and more about even a small new perspective on that topic. Totally. And for most people, what you are podcasting on, you are an expert in. And you remember that people listening are not an expert. They're not thinking about it all the time. That's your job to present that information in a way that's digestible and informative. So like repeating something from the different angle is going to allow them to learn better. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. Now, you have been podcasting for a year now, but thinking back to maybe the earliest months, were there any challenges that you faced as a podcaster or things that you may have been surprised by? It was actually far easier than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. 
I think I re-recorded my first episode three times. I just wanted it to be exactly right. And I was editing it a lot myself. And then I realized actually that isn't my style. That isn't what my audience come for. So that was a great realization. One of the questions I get asked a lot, because mine's 100% organic marketing, but it still does well. So one of the things that people ask me a lot is, how did I do that? And obviously organic marketing and so on. But I think when you're creating a podcast for every episode, just focus on giving value and it being relevant and really having it something that people want to share with the people they love because it's going to help more than just one person or or if it's like based around a specific thing I don't know like um like a settlers of Catan fan group make it good so that people in that community want to spread it within people in that community like one of the biggest things I would say has served me was telling my listeners to share it (laughs) I wasn't shy about it I wasn't polite I was like listen if you are getting value from this podcast then someone you love will get value from this podcast I think that's so important because I don't think we've given podcasters permission to ask for things. We need to ask for reviews. We need to ask people to share. And it's great to do that because like your podcast is such a lifeline and a feeling of support for people. And it's a gift to be able to give that for free to a friend. And so I hope that anybody listening now is feeling like, oh, I could do that. That's easy. I could just ask people to share this message. Right. Because when people come to me, even for coaching, and I'm sure you find this with people that come to you for podcasting, we always focus on the one on the people that don't want it. We're like, oh, people that don't want me to share it, to ask to share it, are going to be offended versus like, actually, people just haven't thought to share it right? Like if someone's getting lots of value and they're listening to your podcast, of course they want to share it to other people because they're getting help from it. So you asking them to do it, the people that are actually listening, they're going to be like, oh yeah, great idea. And they'll probably already have someone in mind. So make it so easy for your users. Don't expect them to do the work to come up with the ideas. Give them the idea. If you have someone you love that you think would you know, or someone you are working with or someone that you think would enjoy this episode, share it with them. Their brain's going to say, oh, yeah, good idea. Or it will say, no, <laughs> and it doesn't matter. That's such a funny, I've never heard it phrased as we focus on the people who don't want it, but I think you're so right. And often, I'm sure I'm guilty of this too, but we don't think about how valuable the people are who are right in front of us. I think a lot of us tend to worry about getting more and getting new people, but the people who are already tuned in, those are the most important people in your world. And I want to just go back to what you said before about how the biggest way, correct me if I'm wrong, that your podcast has grown is just by having amazing content and then asking people to share it. And I think a lot of people want to hear that there's a magic solution. Like, oh, if you use this social media strategy and you do it in exactly this way, your podcast will grow. But the truth is, if you don't have a great foundation, if you don't have great episodes worth sharing, I don't think any marketing strategy will ever fix that. Totally. And I love everything that you've touched on there because it's even something that I see people focus on, like the number of Instagram followers rather than rather than the ones that are already there and engaging. It's like we're taught, oh, you know, a thousand people will get you 10 clients. No, 10 people, 10 followers can get you 10 clients, right? Like my listeners on my podcast is way higher than my number of like Instagram followers because like you said, I focused on value and 
quality content versus pushing it everywhere I guess and getting like one hit wonders of of listeners and I think actually that is the formula is do create good content focus on the content people will hear it they will stick with it they will speak about it like organically people will ask them what they've listened to they will speak about what you speak about on your episodes if it's that good even last week I had someone email me saying hi a friend recommended your coronavirus panic episode because I'm having a lot of high anxiety right now. I listened and I would love to come and speak with you and like sign up for one of your consult calls. So that means that someone, do you see like the value of the content was so useful that someone recommended someone to listen to it. And then as soon as that person listened to it, they wanted to talk with me directly. Mm-hmm. So smart. And before we talk more about how you do uh, build your coaching business using your podcast, something else you just brought up is the value of creating very topical content. Like having some episodes that people can listen to anytime, even a year from now, I think is really important. But if something is going on in the world and something is happening right now, I think as podcasters, it's important for us to talk about that too, because often that's what people need and that is what they're talking about with friends. And so the balance of those two things I think is really important. Yes. And one of the big reasons I created my podcast and I do the work that I do is because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about anxiety and about our brains and our procrastination. And so with what happened right now with coronavirus and the fact that I was seeing everywhere media and misinformation and panic and lots of disempowering attention grabbing headlines, shall we say, I felt like it was my duty to step in there and say, hey, I know that you think that your brain is freaking out and there's something wrong with you and everything's terrible. This is like a perfect time for my tools and for me to teach you something to pull you back into normality. So I absolutely think that we have to address these big things, especially as they relate to our audience and what our audience needs. And you should always be thinking about what your audience needs, which means maybe if you do have this gamer podcast about Game of Thrones, I'm throwing random things out there. Maybe it's not relevant and you don't need to do an episode on it just because there's a big topic, but you know your audience, show up for your audience. Oh, that's such a great piece of advice. As we mentioned, it's important to talk about something if it does relate to you, but that doesn't mean you have to bring it up just because everyone else is talking about it. Oh, I think that's such a good point. Now let's talk about your coaching business. So Something that I do love about your podcast is we talked about how you're not afraid to ask people to share. And although you don't have sponsors, which I think is maybe the way that people assume you must use to make money as a podcaster, I love that you don't shy away from mentioning your own coaching services. So how do you encourage your listeners to start working with you? Yeah. So there's two ways. At the end of every episode, they can opt in for the free fuck anxiety guide. And other than that, at the end of most episodes, I make an offer for them to sign up for a consultation call with me, which is like a one hour chat where we can start getting into their brain and understand a bit more about what in particular they are struggling with, why they feel stuck. And I can give them that prescription. And that's the only way to find out more about working with me right now is that one-on-one call. So 
then, you know, maybe I will offer them a place. Maybe they'll take a place. We can take it from there. And the thing is, I genuinely see it now that it would be a disservice for me not to make that offer. If my podcasts and my tools are helping people, then I absolutely feel obligated to invite them to this consult call because they are looking for help. That's why they've found my podcast. They're looking, maybe there was a certain episode on perfectionism or people pleasing, uh, worrying too much what other people think. And that's like a problem for them. And here I am sat with the solution. I feel like it would be such a disservice to not make that offer. And I think anyone that is thinking about doing a podcast to promote their business and their service, like how much do you believe in the business and the service that you have? Because if you believe in the value of what you are offering, then it's rude (laughs) not to offer it because people are listening to you for the tools and for the advice and they just need the invitation. It's like, it's almost lazy again to ask them to think about how to get in touch with you always invite. And again, the people that aren't interested will just ignore it. And the people that are will be so pleased that you've made that offer. Yes, that's so important. I'm so happy you're bringing this up. And I think it's easy to assume we're getting the better end of the deal as a service provider because we're getting something in the form of money. But it's really not even just an even trade, but if you're really great at what you do, hopefully the other person is actually benefiting even more than you are because they're gaining knowledge, they're gaining experience, they're gaining the ability to have or do something they couldn't do before. And so maybe we can hopefully give some listeners a new reframe on what selling can mean and that it's not just this one-sided, like, give me your money kind of approach. Yeah, I see it. And I've done work on this and I do this work with my clients all the time of shifting the mindset around sales like money is you can just remake money all the time even if it's hard even if it's a job that you don't really like you can remake money but the value that you can give is so much more like the value that I can give someone that works with me changes their whole life it changes their career path it changes their relationships with their family it creates romantic relationships it can move them countries and cities and empower them to create their own piece of something in this world like a solution for a problem that I didn't even know existed that they've created once they've got out of their own way like for me absolutely I have such strong belief in the work that I do that I easily think that anyone that works with me gets 10x the value of what I of what I charge and I think anyone that is creating a podcast to sell something work on the value that you are giving and be so convinced of the value that you are giving that you are able to easily do this. Because if you, listen, if you are charging at a place where you're like, I'm charging X amount and I'm giving, you know, a little bit of value, then of course you're not gonna be able to sell it. How could you increase that value? How could you make it so good? How can you put something out in the world that's really gonna help people? Mm, I think that's so well said. Now, speaking about your area of expertise generally, I know we've been touching on it throughout the whole episode, but I have a feeling that launching a podcast or starting something new is probably a cause for anxiety for some of our listeners. So do you have any advice that could help our newer podcasters with some of those anxious thoughts that might be creeping in? Yeah, well, I love exactly what you said because it's completely true. 
We're supposed to have anxiety about the unknown. That's the role of anxiety, the fear of the unknown. Our brain's one job is to keep us alive. And so it senses any potential change or any potential danger. And those hormones are released from our brain, like cortisol and adrenaline, that were very useful in the wild <laughs> when the danger was a predator that we needed to run away from. And those those hormones allowed us to run faster, longer, and be on high alert and feel less physical pain in that moment. So it's kind of like learning to take action with anxiety. Like anxiety in itself is harmless. The more you do it, the easier it gets. And I'll actually speak, and I speak about this on my very first episode because it was such a profound moment for me when I was actually live on a stage in front of a lot of people. And just as I went on, my anxiety shot through the roof. Of course, I'm going to die. And instead of resisting it, I really leant into it and just allowed it to be there. So if you are experiencing anxiety and you are making it mean that there's something wrong with you, let me tell you that the anxiety is supposed to be there. The anxiety, I joke sometimes, the anxiety is the first step towards creating something new. Like you are supposed to have the anxious thoughts and then you're like, okay, now I know all the worst case scenarios, I can still move forward. Because when your brain tells you you're going to die, when you're about to record your podcast episode, it's like, you know that that's not true. I've never heard of it in that way though before, where it's not that you're supposed to get rid of anxiety. It's that you're supposed to have the anxiety and it's about just how do you embrace that and how do you lean into it, as you said, during your speech. Right, totally. And and I speak about it on the moment because once I let lent into it, my whole body was suddenly vibrating together and I felt so empowered and unstoppable because my brain and my body were working together on this high level. Now, it's not to say that the work that I do isn't teaching people to manage and master their anxiety, but the first step is not resistance of it. And everyone listening that has anxiety knows this because that's what you've probably been trying for a while. You've tried fighting with it. You've tried arguing with it and judging it. You've tried avoiding it with Netflix and food and alcohol maybe. So like really this is the only option that's left. And by allowing it, you become the authority of your anxiety the same way if you allow a kid to have candy, you're the authority in that relationship. So really think about like, can I just allow this to happen? Mm -hmm. And something you said earlier too, that I think is so important is that the more you do it, the easier it gets. And I think that not many people think about podcasting this way, but I do think it's kind of like working out a muscle. And the more you do it and the more you practice, it's not just that you'll become more comfortable, but in fact, you will get better as well. Nobody's born a natural, I don't think, at podcasting. I think the greats and the people whose podcasts we love, they've been practicing for a long time, whether it's practicing in their actual podcast or in their speaking or in their work, but they're not at day one. And so your day one shouldn't feel like what you're seeing in other people's podcasts. And that's okay. I love everything that you just said, because it's true for all the things. It's really true. In order to be good at something, you have to be willing to be bad at it. There is no shortcut. And our brain is always looking for that comfortable, safe place. And the opposite needs to happen. For you, I completely agree with everything that you just said. Anyone listening, like you have to be willing to be bad in order to be good. You don't jump over that step. You grow through that step completely. And I hope too that people will stick with podcasting for a little while. I know advice that I often give is that one month is not enough to know if you like it or not, or if you have growth potential, because podcasting 
is a relationship that you're building with your listeners. And I think it takes a little bit of time for you to find your footing as a host and for them to start tuning in and to start recommending you. And sure, maybe it only takes one episode sometimes, but I think it takes a little while to grow into it. Totally. And for your audience to grow completely. Completely. I think mm-hmm. if I would, I could have quit at one month and been like, oh, not that many people have listened. And then I wouldn't have had the impact that I have. I wouldn't have built the following. I wouldn't have, you know, given so much value. I wouldn't be hearing from people all over the world about how, you know, just listening to the podcast has helped them. And I wouldn't have grown my business from it. Like one month is absolutely not enough. Like I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. One month is not enough. No. Mm-hmm. And Actually, as we kind of start to wrap up, now that you are at the one-year mark for your podcast or right around there, what are you thinking about next for both your podcast and for your business? What are you excited about? So actually, I just decided this. So you're hearing this before anyone, which is fun. Um, So I send out emails Monday to Friday. I've been doing that only that since the, for, for the past month, but really a lot of people are taking to it as well, just short episodes. And then I have my podcast and what I'm going to start doing is tying it in. So there's like a theme for the week versus like, you know, doing all the things together. I'm really going to focus one week on decision-making and focus one week on letting go of what other people think of you and focus one week on managing anxiety around work or whatever it might be. And really just get really clean and consistent in my content and for my business I'm still working one-on-one with clients and I absolutely love it. I think the theming advice is something that any podcaster could take whether it's like the themes you have that are weekly or even thinking about monthly themes or just kind of grouping content together. I think for the host and for you, I imagine it must be nice to have something to work around instead of having to start fresh every day over and over. And for your listeners, it must be nice too to kind of feel like there's a bigger picture going on. Yeah, I think I'm always thinking about how can I give the most value to the people listening? Because it doesn't matter that podcasts are free. People are paying with their time and time is, you know, more valuable than money and then knowledge is more valuable than time. So I always want to be thinking about Like I do my podcast because of the impact I want to have in the world and how I want to empower people to manage their mental health and to create their dreams and to just live the lives that they really want to live. So because of that, I feel this responsibility to always be serving. And that's something that you touched on earlier as well, is definitely create this podcast for the people that you want to serve in mind. I think that is incredible advice. And before we do say goodbye, how can people learn more about you or stay in touch or find your podcast? Yeah, sure. So the podcast is called Fuck Anxiety and Get Shit Done, but the polite way with an F asterisk CK and then SH asterisk T. And you can also go to vickylouise.com. That's V-I-K-K-I-L-O-U-I-S-E. And if you go to the bottom there, you'll see a sign up where you can put your email for the free guide and yes social media vicky louise coaching and that's it perfect and i'll include links to everything in the show notes but before we go for anybody listening today do you have any maybe final words of advice or even comfort for them I love that you use the word comfort because what I'm going to say is this, if you are waiting to feel really good 
until you do something, you will never do it. Our brain always wants what's comfortable. And sometimes the best things come from doing things that aren't super comfortable at first, right? Like don't be afraid to just get out there and do something. No one cares about the fact that my podcast episodes with interviews don't get as much as many listeners. And I thought, well, people would drop off, but they don't, they just skip through it. No one else cares about all the things, all the ducks you want in a row before you get out there and produce something. So really, instead of giving you comfort, (laughs) I'm going to tell you that you can do it even without comfort. And trust me, because that's what I did. Even better. Well, Vicky, thank you again so much for joining. I know I've personally really enjoyed this episode and I think that our listeners will too. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun and I've learned a lot from you as well. Thank you so much for joining us this week. To learn more about Vicky Louise, our free podcasting resources at Wit and Wire, and everything mentioned in today's episode, check out the show notes at witandwire.com slash seven. That's also where you'll find Vicky's incredible free resource just for Wit and Wire listeners. She says, stop being a victim of anxiety. This guide will teach you the first steps to mastering your anxiety, including reusable worksheets for whenever anxiety strikes. Grab it for free at witandwire.com slash seven. Lastly, I do have a quick favor to ask before we go. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you'll let me know. I love reading through your reviews in Apple Podcasts, and if you have a minute to spare, I'd love to read yours too, or even to have you leave us a five-star review. Reviews let Apple know that great listeners like you enjoy our show, and that helps us expand our search results in Apple. So it really does make a difference, and I can't thank you enough. Thank you again for joining me, Melissa Guller, in this episode of Wit & Wire. I'll see you next time, podcasters.